you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 64. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Hi, guys. How are you today? I have a special treat with me in my podcast studio is Corey Greenberg, sleep consultant extraordinaire. She helps all of you guys who are like, enough. I just want a good night's sleep. And Corey is someone that I know personally. We met, actually, we met. We met because we kept seeing each other getting recommended on Facebook. And I started realizing that when people came to me, I always start with basic needs because I just feel like if you're not sleeping and you're not fueled properly, like I can teach you every great parenting tool under the sun, but you're never going to remember it because sleep-deprived adults and sleep-deprived kids were just not our smartest, best selves, period, end of story. So I always start with basic needs. But what I found was when I had a family that it was clear there was a big sleep issue, I was kind of like, ugh. (laughs) Like it wasn't my happy place. And then I kept seeing Corey getting recommended. And so I reached out and I was like, I think maybe we need to meet because I'm feeling like it's a full-blown straitjacket when somebody comes to me and I know they have sleep issues and it's obviously your zone of genius. So let's meet. So we met and we talked and it was all good. And I was like, I'm definitely going to start referring. We're in alignment. And then Corey was like, um, maybe I should join your mastermind. Like I still have pretty little kids and, um, and I want to learn some of the stuff that you're teaching in Mastermind Parenting, so we really know each other. Let me read you kind of her official bio. So she's a certified child sleep consultant working with families from pregnancy through age five. She's also a mama of three kids, ages nine, seven, and five, um, and she's been in the trenches of those early years of sleep deprivation. She was a clinical social worker in her former life working with families in the CPS system, and she draws on that experience and others to identify um, like all the little family dynamics, and she takes it all into consideration. She carries a no-judgment attitude when parents tell her about the working mom guilt or the last resort co-sleeping arrangement with their toddlers, and she's all about like, let's get you guys sleeping. So she doesn't narrowly describe, like subscribe to a particular method, like cry it out or no cry. Instead, she really works with you 
and caters the approach to what's in alignment with you and your family values. That's what I love about you because I think a lot of people have said that about mastermind parenting as well. Like, yes, I teach certain mastermind parenting pillars, but I'm always adjusting it based on who you, we're not robots, like we're all humans. And at the end of the day, Corey's not an expert on your family. Randy's not an expert on your family. Let's really take the whole family dynamic into account and let's cater the approach specific for you. Yes, exactly. Um, You know, that's the biggest key, I think, for me and why I love this work so much is because it has taught me to be so flexible and just to kind of meet parents where they are. And, um, you know, like you said in, in, you know, talking about my bio, I think that really draws from my experience in social work and working with family dynamics because sleep is where all of that comes out. You know, whether you're a working mom or you're a stay-at-home mom and you're with your kids all day long, it really matters, you know, what that what that family dynamic looks like and what's happening during the day. Um, and all of it is going to hang out at night. So it's one reason why I was so grateful to meet with you. Um, it was almost two years ago, actually. Really? Um, yeah. And uh, incorporating everything I learned and doing the mastermind. First of all, I applied it to my own kids. And I was one of those moms who had read every book under the sun. That's actually what led me to being a sleep consultant. I had read all of those sleep books. And so I felt like I had some of that knowledge already. And finally, by the third kid, had figured it out. Um But when I met with you and started incorporating some of those, you know, skills and tactics into my work with my own kids, I realized how much I could use this in how I work with families now. Mm -hmm. And um, you're just always in my head when I'm when I'm helping parents with their toddlers, because toddlers can be very challenging. Mm -hmm. They, um, you know, lots of different behaviors come out when it comes to sleep and parents feel paralyzed sometimes as to how to change those patterns. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I can step in and say, you know, okay, this is where we need to start. And you're right, it is about the basic needs part. The first thing I always start with, I call it like the foundations of sleep, which looks at when are these kids sleeping? When are they getting up in the morning? Are they taking a nap? If so, how long is the nap? When is the bedtime? Because, and that's some of the sleep science stuff that you're probably like, ugh, you know, (laughs) when it comes to that is it it does take um, a microscope to look at, you know, are kids going to bed at the right time for their bodies? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, not to get too sciencey or technical, but we all have, you know, a 24-hour clock, like our circadian rhythm you've heard of, Mm -hmm. and our bodies are primed for sleep at a certain time. If you miss that window, you know, your body is flushed with cortisol and you get like a second wind. So that's why a lot of times I hear parents when they end up, you know, with the kids going to bed too late, they become a Tasmanian devil. And then it's impossible for them to settle because their bodies are flushed with cortisol. Well, that's interesting with the cortisol because I had learned years ago that if you miss the window, which is typically like 7 to 8.30. Yep. Right? Where they're fully asleep. If you miss that window, then they're ready to party and they'll party usually until 10 or beyond. Yes. And what happens when you, when they go to bed, you know, after their window, a lot of times parents will say, well, I just ran them ragged until they just fell over and passed out. Well, a lot of times I see night wakings Mm -hmm. or early rising. Mm -hmm. Early rising is a big issue with toddlers. And Mm -hmm. the reason is you didn't go to bed when your body clock wanted you to, and everything is just kind of off. Mm -hmm. So you're not getting as red, the deepest sleep they get is in the first half of the night. 
So if you're starting too late, they're not getting that that really deep restorative sleep and it disrupts the rest of the night. Curious about what your thoughts are on this. You know, so when you don't sleep enough, and we all know it, like if you think back to your hungover days of college or now, <laughs> um, and you're like, you wake up and you didn't sleep great and you had, you know, whatever, because you never hit that deep rim because you had alcohol in your system and you wake up and you want something what? really greasy yeah right sweet or yeah right like all like you're like oh my god i need the greasiest grossest thing right now so when our bodies are sleep deprived we always crave less healthy fuel yeah the other basic need and so i was asking my pediatrician at my Corey, my little one's appointment he just turned 13 and he had his 13th appointment and i said um she said you know well, maybe we should get like a bone density scan. He's a little late to develop. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing all that. He's my third kid. My kids don't go through puberty till 15. I've got two other kids to, you know. And I said, but it is weird because in this day and age, they're saying kids go through puberty younger and younger. I said, why is that? And why are my kids going through later? Like I actually went through puberty at 15. So, I mean, not 15, at 13. So, um, maybe even started at 12. So my kids going through at 15 is a little odd to me. And I, me and my husband kind of feel like we're cheating because we get two extra years of childhood. Yeah. Like my 13 year old still wants to play hide and go seek. Yeah. You know? And I see at the bar and bat mitzvahs, the kids who are going through puberty, it's a whole different story. I have always been a sleep Nazi. Like my kids for sure. And they say as teenagers, they get way more sleep than anyone else under the sun that they know. So I've always been kind of crazy. And for the most part, my household now, for however many years, 21 years, it's quiet by 8 o'clock at night. And nobody really rises in our household until 7 in the morning. So it's always been kind of an 11-hour, not that everyone sleeps for 11 hours, but it's an 11-hour quiet zone. And I've always been pretty crazy about that. And she said, I said, do you think that has anything to do with it? She said, for sure. She said, because when you're sleep deprived and most of our kids are walking around in a sleep deprived state because they're not, they're even an hour, two hours, three hours sleep deprived. Yes. She said, you crave the higher fat foods, kind of like when you're, you know, hungover or whatever. And that heightened cortisol that's in the in the kids bodies is causing them to develop younger and younger i said so are you telling me i can tell parents hey you need to prioritize sleep and fuel especially sleep that's where it all starts and as a result your kids could have could hit puberty later because that's what we've witnessed she said absolutely you could absolutely link those two. So for you guys who are dreading the teenage years, this is really important to listen to. Corey's going to share some stories with us, but really, really important to think about how much are your kids sleeping? Are they walking around in a slightly sleep deprived state? And maybe you could get two extra years like I do from these, from the great kind of younger childhood before you have to deal with the teenage years um, just from getting your kids and your family on a better sleep routine. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fascinating and and makes total sense, you know, and um, there's this link that's kind of talked about now between sleep and ADHD. 
And I was just before I came here rereading this article that I found so interesting. And it talks about how there are many cases where ADHD is misdiagnosed because all of the symptoms look like the same as when a little one is sleep deprived. You know, that lack of concentration, that all of that extra seemingly boundless energy is like we just talked about that, you know, cortisol that's, you know, flooding their systems. Um, and not only just that it's misdiagnosed, but that there is a link between ADHD and sleep issues. Mm. And if you think about a kid who has ADHD and all of the behaviors that you see, um, it is it is looks like sleep deprivation and how much that affects them at school and at home and with their peers. And so it's even more important if your child has an ADHD diagnosis to look underneath that, but also to understand the link that's there between them. And so getting those kids the most sleep that they possibly can is critical. You know, it's also interesting because I wonder when a teacher is flagging a kid as possibly being ADHD and they're encouraging the parents to go to, you know, get the, you know, go and do all the diagnostic testing. And then you go and some people just talk to their pediatrician about it. Some people go through the whole diagnostic testing and do the rigmarole and spend thousands of dollars like I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and then those experts come back and and say, yes, your kid definitely has ADHD with a side of anxiety because usually that's what happens. And we recommend that you put them on this medication. And I did. Um, so no judgment about medication here. But no one ever asked me, what are his sleep habits? Right. Is he, maybe we should do a sleep study. Is he getting, you know, I found out when he was 16, he had major sinus surgery. That's what I was going to say. It's not just the sleep deprivation, but the quality of their sleep. Mm -hmm. And there's a link between ADHD and kids with their, you know, enlarged adenoids and tonsils, Mm -hmm. which causes apnea. When your mama instinct is saying, I got to do some more investigation here, like really look for the resources and, and really put on that detective hat yourself. And the place to start if your child is strong-willed, acting out, your household's a war zone, it doesn't seem like he's got the executive functioning skills, blah, 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 blah. Like, I want y'all to be assessing basic needs first. So I want, so Corey, if you could share, um, I would just love for you to share kind of maybe like one client story that you think will resonate and you thought was particularly interesting. Yeah, I would love to. Um, and it ties in so well with what you're talking about because the um, this family in particular had um, two boys and both of them had some pretty serious sleep issues. Um, the older one was three and the younger one was 18 months. And the 18-month-old was actually a foster child um, that they had had um, since he was about 10 months. Mm. So they'd had him about eight months. And um, the older one was when I when I met with them, the mom said to me, I have ADHD and I'm pretty sure that little Johnny has it too. And I said, well, what do you, what, you know, what do you see? She told me he was trying to climb out of his crib by six months. And I was like, six months, really? She said, no, I'm serious. By one year old, I had put the mattress all the way on the floor and the kid was climbing, climbing the crib. And he was incredibly advanced motor wise um walked super early and he was actually there when I was meeting with them and I mean he really was like a little energizer bunny just nonstop 
<clears throat> and so she was saying he did have some issues at school. He just, you know, was not able to sit in focus. And what was happening at night is they would, um, you know, dad would come home and around seven o'clock, he was so wound up that they would turn on a show. And it was the only way that they could get him to calm down and settle down. And he was watching almost two hours of TV until finally at nine o'clock they could get him to go to sleep. Mm. And he was also eating a lot of raisins was his favorite thing to eat. Mm -hmm. Raisins have a lot of sugar, unfortunately. So his was a really perfect storm of like he did have that temperament. And I don't know now if, you know, they're going to end up diagnosing with ADHD at a later time. I feel like it does have a genetic component. So it could be that that is the direction it goes. But um, just the basic needs part is where we started, which was no more television. You know, by seven o'clock, this kid, he, he was expending energy. I mean, they were running him ragged. You know, the dad would come home and walk him around, take him for a walk around the neighborhood to kind of get some of that energy out. Um, but we stopped with the screens and we cut down on the sugar. We had to really look at his diet because he was drinking a lot of milk and it was replacing his calories from food mm. so we just switched the milk you know he could have his milk but it was after a meal mm -hmm. you know as opposed to during the meal and um we also really worked on some of that one-on-one -on -one attention um as well as giving him some power and control over the nighttime routine because mm. um, one of the other things that was going on with him was he would pick where he slept at night <laughs> I mean, he had free reign of the house. And so, and it was a large house. They had a couple different spare bedrooms. And so one night he'd sleep in the spare bedroom and the other night he'd sleep on a big giant pillow on the floor in the living room. Mm. And, you know, mom and dad, I think were just so exhausted from just trying to keep up with him that they, that was a battle they didn't feel like fighting. And so they just let him kind of choose. And that's where I sort of came in to look at with them, the dynamics of that relationship and like, this is a kid who needs boundaries. Mm. He really needed, I mean, he was seeking the boundaries mm -hmm. um, and they just didn't really have the wherewithal to get on the same page. And they were hilarious. I loved working with them because they constantly were throwing each other under the bus in like a funny way. <laughs> you know, like the, the mom would be like, well, I, you know, I'm the enforcer. I can hold out forever. And the dad's like, yeah, I'm the one who caves. But then, you know, as we started working together, we, there would be like a bad night. And the mom would be like, he's the one who did it. He caved and gave him milk in the middle of the night. Um, they were just hysterical, had a great sense of humor about it. But um, we set boundaries and we gave him, like we made a, um, a routine checklist for bedtime where he got to help mom make the routine. And, you know, it was very prescriptive of like, these are the things that you're going to do. But he was in charge of it. So we gave him a little clipboard and, you know, mm. he could kind of check off the routine as he went. Um, and then one funny thing that happened was we decided he was going to, we were going to put him in the guest room because we were also working on his little brother and it was really difficult to have them both in the same room while we were working on that. So we decided we we're going to make, you know, his room, the guest room. Mm -hmm. And even with all of the, the new boundaries and everything we set, he was still like seeking that, that power and control where they had a pack and play in there and it was, nobody had used it for two years he started sleeping in the pack and play. He was three and a half. You know, mm -hmm. he barely did not fit in a pack and play, mm -hmm. but that was his way of like, you're telling me I mean to sleep in here? Well, I'm going to sleep over there in the pack and play. Mm -hmm. And we just, you know, we talked about it. We're like, that's fine. Let him sleep in the pack and play. That's not going to be comfortable for him, you know, in the long term. 
Um, but we're going to let him have that. Mm-hmm. So it's really like a fine kind of dance between mm-hmm. letting them have that power and control, which all kids are seeking. Mm-hmm. You know, they need, it's part of their need for like significance um, in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like an Alfred Adler thing that all kids need belonging mm-hmm. and they need significance. So the significance part is giving your kids lots of opportunities to contribute to the family and help you know, mm-hmm. be a helper and, and kind of acknowledging them being a helper to you, but also giving them the sense that they have control over their world. Well, it goes to, it's like all the mastermind parent pillars. Like yeah. we want to give them choice because mm-hmm. choice is the opposite of control. Yep. But we have to have that pack leadership and the assertiveness. So it's not open-ended choice. Yep. It's like you're sleeping in the guest room. I want to sleep in the pack and play. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right? within the boundary. Right. So you're giving them, it's like you're using pack leadership and choice and it's not controlling. It's mm-hmm. empowering. And little three and four year olds, it's all they're looking for in the world is chances to feel empowered. And then that reduces the power struggles. Right. And then you're also, you know, tapping into that significance piece. Well, that's when I'm like, yeah, it's a family team. And Part of being a team member is being a valuable team member and then getting to feel significant and experience that sense of accomplishment. Well, guess what? That's what happens when we give the little three-year-old the clipboard and he's in charge of his nighttime routine and then we're we're following it up with effective praises. Look at you. Mm -hmm. You're taking care of your body. You're doing all the things. You're checking off the things. You are really growing up. Yeah way to go like sometimes people are like because I can get a little picky about the I hate that I'm proud of you yes yes right I'm proud of you I'm so proud of you you're really growing up way to go like that taps into you're significant and you're not doing all these things to please me you get to have your own sense of identity and empowerment and a sense of accomplishment on our family team. And you're not here just to please me. You're bringing so much value. Yes, exactly. And and that, you know, the toddler's kind of quest for independence is, is super related to sleep. You know, that's what you're wanting from them is for them to be independent when it comes to sleep. So if you're doing reward charts or sticker charts or dollar store toys for staying in their room all night, but to me, that's never going to be effective because, first of all, when they're seeking that that connection or that need in the middle of the night, no dollar store toy or sticker is going to keep them from wanting that. Sure. You know, so it, it's not really effective and it becomes just kind of an empty thing. Or maybe they do it for a couple of nights and then you're having to up the ante when it comes to... Well, that's okay. what everyone says. Exactly. It, it really isn't effective and you're wanting them to, to be proud of themselves for sleeping in their bed all night. You know, uh, one of the other sleep consultants I really admire, she said one time that, you know, letting yourself fall asleep is really an act of bravery or courage because it really means that you have to let go mm. of all of those needs. You know, as a toddler, those emotional needs that you have, especially that need of, for connection, which is when, when I see a kid who really needs that, it's the one who wants one more hug, another sip of water another animal, Mm. give me one more kiss. When you have a kid like that, who's Mm. like, I call him a little jack in the box, they're seeking connection from mom. And so in order for them to like calm their nervous system enough to let themselves fall asleep, that's kind of an act of bravery because it's letting go of that connection. Mm. Um, 
And that's kind of what we worked on with this little guy too, is that, you know, trying to build in little bonding games. Um, There's a book I love called I Love You Rituals that has all these cute little games that you can play right before bed that don't rile them up, but that gives them that one last kind of dose of positive connection with mom or dad so they can let themselves, okay, I'm fine, just roll over and go to sleep. I mean, not to get too graphic, but I think it's why a lot of people, like, you know, when we're grown-ups, why do people have sex at night right before they go to bed? Yeah. Because you get that oxytocin. Those I love you rituals, it's like we're giving them that hit, that hormonal hit of the love hormone. Yes. Right? And um, and I love that same I love you rituals book. And one of the easy ones that I just teach people is the goodnight eyebrow. Yep. Because that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um because I'm lazy as a mom. And um, and so it's literally just tracing their face. And it's like, good night, eyebrow. Good night, little eyelashes. Good night, nose. And you're just like gently tracing their whole face. And another thing I like to do in terms of an I love you ritual when they get older is the essential oils on the feet. Yeah, massage is perfect. Yeah, yeah. but you know, your, your older kids a lot of times... If you, you know, it's like, you got to be a good salesperson. (laughs) And so, um, so my whole thing, like my kids knew I was a sleep Nazi because my whole thing was, was how can you be, how can you operate at your best if you're not fully well rested for school the next day? So they knew I was always crazy like that. So I was like, okay, my new thing is, is I read this study that lavender oil on the bottoms of your feet you know, are more conducive to hitting the REM cycle of sleep. Mm. And literally my son, he, he was like my oldest, he's now 21, was like 16 or 17 at the time. And like, I'd walk into his room with that lavender essential oil and he would like kick his big hairy leg out of the covers and his giant foot. He was ready for me to put that oil on his foot. Yeah. But that, but that was, so I sold it as this is what we're going to do to make sure your body gets enough sleep. But it was actually a connecting I love you ritual. Yes. So, um, and you know, I mean, who doesn't love a foot massage, right? And so when you kind of sell it in a, this is how your body's going to be sleeping better. Mm -hmm. They don't even realize you're doing this touch and this beautiful I love you ritual with them and you're connecting and they don't even realize you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that story to know that you can still have that connection before bed when they're 16 or 17. <laughs> right. But if you were like, listen, we really need to connect. I've noticed that. Oh, yeah. I've noticed that you've been a little defensive lately. <laughs> you know, they're going to be like, oh. yeah. You got It's just like when I teach empathy, I'm like, okay, so to do empathy with your kids, love the therapist. Do not sound like a therapist or yes. they're going to think you're a freak show. Like you got to kind of do a little bit of a bait and switch sometimes and be crafty about it. Yeah. So sell it in terms of if the, all your kids have been hearing is my job is to keep you safe and healthy and then you're coming in with these essential oils that's going to make them sleep better. They're like, fine, whatever. Yeah. I'll humor you. Yeah. And they don't even realize that you're connecting. Yes, and I think that's very true for the older set. And for the younger set, to carve out that time, I I love to label it. I know you call it pet time. I call it like mommy and whatever the kid's name is. So mommy and Johnny time. Mm -hmm. And to really label that because in in my mind, the kid feels that 
gives you credit for it if mm. you call it that. Mm-hmm. So I always start with, you know, um, I'm so excited for mommy and Johnny time. What are we going to do today? Then you do, you know, you do it, maybe set a timer if you need to. And then when it's over, you label it as well and say, I had so much fun, you know, playing Legos with you during mommy and Johnny time. I can't wait for tomorrow. So to kind of build that into the nighttime routine mm-hmm. really helps. And it doesn't have to be long. I mean, just 10 minutes or something, even that is kind of enough. Well, even like when my when my kids were I don't know up until probably the age of two, right? And I I mean I remember doing it with my Corey, and after they would have their bath, we would lotion them up. And I remember walking one time into the room. My husband he's much more methodical about things, and he was like lotioning Corey up, (laughs) and he he was doing it like a like a factory worker like he was he was methodical like arm arm and I was like whoa 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 whoa!" and so I took over and I was lotioning him up I had a little music on in the background with some scented lotion and as I would like rub it into his hands rub it into his arms it was like it was more like a masseuse would do Mm -hmm. and I would make eye contact with him I was like oh does that feel good oh it smells so good your skin's getting so soft right now like we're not lotioning him up because we, we need to do it like a factory worker and we're preventing dry, ch- dry chafing skin. Yeah. It's like he was missing the I love you ritual part of it. Yeah. Right. And it also beca- became a cue for sleep yeah. for him. That's part of the other reason why you want to do a, you know, a pretty ritualized routine is because the body and the mind start to see those things as a cue for sleep. That's why the consistency part of it is so important. So true. It's so true. It's so important. So what happened to the three and a half year old? So the the great part of it was that um, the mom had not told his teachers at school that we were working on sleep. And um, about a week after we had gotten him to a really good place, she, the teacher was like, this is a different child. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I, I can't even tell you he's incredibly more focused he's kind he's not you know out of control physically um there's no more getting in other kids space Mm. um he just had really changed his whole demeanor at school and she i think i think if i remember correctly the teacher had asked if they put him on medication (laughs) and the mom's like no we just got him to sleep so it was just it was awesome and i've had so many other clients like that who have really noticed a difference in their kids behavior you know when it and it's a snowball effect because then you know first of all then mom and dad are getting better sleep so they're more at their best and the relationship improves so much because there isn't that level of frustration anymore with the you know when you're hurtling towards bedtime and counting down the minutes and you can't wait to close that door and get out and then the kid keeps coming out there's no way that parents can stay calm and so the, all of that stress you know transfers to the kid and then they're, they're even more seeking that connection because they're they're sensing mom's mad at me and mom wants to get rid of me you know which we do in a way we want to go watch netflix and drink wine and hang out with our husbands right but um the kids are sensing that. So it does require a lot of work up front to get things in place. Um, but then, I mean, it's, it's like just kind life, of magic. It's like a life of freedom yeah. for everyone. Yeah. I mean, that's why I always start with basic with sleep specifically. It is literally the ticket 
to freedom. The fact that for 21, well, not 21 years, because the first year of Alex's life, he literally slept like in the bed with me on top of my body. Mm -hmm. Like that was why I became a sleep Nazi. Um, But 20 years from 8 p.m. until 7 a.m., it's adult time. Like it's the best. I mean, I'm like, put the time in up front. And then on the flip side also, it's like these kids that, you know, the teacher noticed this huge difference in a week. So he's three and a half. He was walking around in a chronically sleep deprived state, which was causing him to not be aware of, like he didn't have the executive fun- functioning skills that a, a well-slept kid has, yeah. right? So he wasn't reading other people's cues. Mm-hmm. He was in, he was a space invader. He was showing up as annoying, disruptive. Right. So then you become the kid who starts to expect other people to be annoyed by you. Right. That affects your self-confidence. It affects your ability to learn. It affects mm-hmm. it affects you socially. Like you can't make friends as easily. So, hmm. These parents getting this under control with him at three and a half and that teacher seeing such a big difference, literally that can change this kid's path in life. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I agree. And like I was saying earlier about that independence piece and the self-confidence. I mean, I've seen that before too, where these kids who feel like they, they don't, well, they don't know that they don't need mom and dad to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a crutch almost. And so once we've given them that gift and they know I can just do this all by myself and, you know, roll over and go to sleep if I wake up in the middle of the night, it gives them a higher sense of self-confidence to tackle other things. So big. Yeah. It's so big. Okay. So for anybody listening to this, who's like, okay, yes, you just described me in like four <laughs> of those different scenarios. Yeah. Um, how do they find you? How do they get in touch? So the easiest thing is to go to my website and fill out the um, form, the, the contact form on there. And I have some details about the services and how I kind of work with families. Um, but it's um, www.sleepforallconsulting.com. And for sleep, for F-O-R. It's not the number for, forallconsulting.com. So this is Corey Greenberg that has been with me. And um, she's a wealth of knowledge and I love sending people to her because she helps families get results. She gets them the rest that, you know, we all need to be our best selves. And I just really encourage you guys, if sleep is the issue, if you guys are sleep deprived, if your kids are showing up in this way that we've just described in this episode, I really, really invite you to commit to getting your sleep issues figured out sooner, not even sooner rather than later, like STAT immediately, ASAP, every acronym I can think of. Um, This is so important. This really could change the trajectory of your kids' lives and the quality of your life and your entire household. So I hope this was helpful, you guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye, Corey. Bye. Have you read my book, The Parent Gap? Have you listened to my book, The Parent Gap? I doubt you've listened because my publisher hasn't released it yet on Audible. However, I have the audio version of The Parent Gap that I would love to send to you. 
You can download it at mastermindparenting.com forward slash book. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash book for your free audio version of The Parent Gap. You're welcome. Bye.